0: I read an article in USA Today where (coughs) the scene is in the Superior Court. Two men were on trial for armed robbery. An eyewitness took the stand. The prosecutor got up and began his questioning. First he asked the eyewitness, so, you were at the scene of the robbery? He said, yes. You saw a vehicle leave at a high rate of speed? The witness said, yes. Did you observe the occupants, asked the prosecutor. Yes, two men. Then the prosecutor, in a booming prosecutor's voice, said, And are those two men in this courtroom today? At this point, both defendants sealed their fate by raising their hands, saying, I did it. Today we're going to talk about guilt. The point is that all of us, have to say in our lives, I did it. There are things that we all have struggled with. We are all the same boat. So this morning, please take out the sermon notes that I've prepared for you. Look at James 2, verse 10, and read that with me together out loud. The person who keeps every law of God, but makes one little slip, is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. Now, obviously, when it comes to the way that we evaluate guilt, there are different degrees of guilt. Some people commit crimes and they deserve greater punishment. It's called justice. But this verse is talking here about God's kind of justice. It's recognizing the fact that whether there is one sin or if there are many sins in our lives, we have all sinned. We've all slipped. We are all in the same boat. We are sinners. So let's deal with our guilt today before God together. We want to, first of all, look at what guilt is. What is this thing that we even call guilt? We all know what it feels like. The psalmist knows. Look at Psalm 38, verse 4. The psalmist describes what guilt feels like. He writes, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. See, every one of us knows the feeling of guilt. It's an overwhelming burden. So in your notes, the feeling of guilt is where you just hope nobody finds out. Boy, I hope nobody finds out. But is guilt just a fear of punishment that comes into our lives? Is that all that guilt is? No, the positive purpose of guilt is not just to make us feel bad. There's a much greater purpose for guilt in our lives. So in your notes, the positive purpose of guilt is a warning light. Guilt is actually a warning light that goes off and says, there's something wrong. Something needs to be fixed. Sort of it's like that warning light that goes off in the dashboard of your car. It says something wrong. Does it help to break it? No. It's just saying something needs to be fixed. And ignoring, ignoring that warning light doesn't help either. The engine may fall out of your car. So there are many different kinds and different ways people deal with guilt. This warning light that God sends into our lives. And the truth is, if there is something really wrong, the best thing to do is get it fixed. See, sometimes people will try to fix their car themselves. But very often it needs to be taken back to the manufacturer. That's what we need to do with our lives. The warning light is saying that we need to go back to the manufacturer. We need to spend more time with God. We need God to heal us. Now there are two kinds of guilt that we need to understand. and you notice it's important that you know that there is number one. In your notes, genuine guilt. This is real guilt, genuine guilt, the real deal. This is when you have done something wrong, you've wronged things that have hurt ourselves or they've hurt others or they've hurt the heart of God. And we all have had to deal with real, genuine guilt. There's also number two in your notes, false guilt. False guilt is thinking that there may be a warning light in the dashboard of your car and you're worried that it may come on soon. People will often say things like, I just feel bad, or I should have done more, or if I only had not fallen asleep, or I could have done a better job. That is false guilt. We've all dealt with some false guilt in our lives. False guilt is very popular among churchgoers. It produces a fate, however, that has more walls than it has doors. Then there's no way out. It closes in. And the Apostle Paul talks to people who are dealing with false guilt. Look at Galatians 3, verse 3. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now you're trying to make it complete by what? By your own power. That is foolish. The believers were returning to good works to bring them closer to God, trying to do it with their own power. So let me give you a little test on how to doubt the difference between genuine guilt and false guilt. How do you know if it is God that's speaking to you or if it's just another person who's just trying to make you feel guilty? Three tests that will help us deal with guilt. Number one, in your notes. We ask, is the focus on people, which is false guilt, or is the focus on God, which is genuine guilt? Dr. Ternier says that false guilt is what comes when the judgments and opinions of men, whereas true guilt is from divine judgment. That is what God thinks about a situation. So many people are constantly seeking to admit for the approval of other people because other people are just making them feel guilty. Number two, in your notes, ask the question Is the focus on you is the focus vague? That's false guilt, or is the focus specific? People will talk about vague feelings of guilt and a cause of sleepless night. But that is really a favorite tool of Satan to bring discouragement and anger. Because God through his word tells us what is wrong. By being very specific. People will come to church and the pastor is specifically talking about their problem. Have you had that experience? But you see, when God talks to you through his word, through the law, it's often very specific. And then number three, the third test. We ask the question, is the focus on rules, which is false guilt, or is the focus on, in your notes, on relationships? Because false guilt talks about the rules and traditions that you have broken. But genuine guilt from God is when you know that you have hurt someone or that you have injured a relationship, when you have hurt your wife or your husband, your children, your neighbor, when you have hurt the heart of God. And that's the big difference. In church, too often the rules become more important. So God is more concerned about our relationships. False guilt about rules blind us often from the working of God as he seeks to restore our relationship with himself. Let us now look at three ways that we human beings handle our guilt. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 3. At that moment, their eyes, meaning Adam and Eve, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, Have you eaten from the tree that I, for whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. So on the back of your notes, we're going to know three ways, three ways that we humans often respond to guilt. Number one, we often respond with shame. Yeah, shame. We just feel bad. We try to feel bad enough to make it then okay. But that never works. Shame doesn't work. Sewing fig leaves doesn't work. Number 2 in your notes. Our second response is hiding. Adam and Eve, they hid from the Lord God. Think about that. Trying to hide from God. Because hiding never works. But they tried it anyway. They hid out. Then number three is blame. And this is often a popular one, to blame others. So you have Adam and Eve standing there with their guilt. Adam, he took it like a man. What does he do? He blamed his wife. She gave me the fruit, he said. Eve then points at the serpent, and she blames the serpent. And of course, the serpent doesn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) Isn't it easy to try to blame our way out of wrong things? Out of wrong things, we're caught in a lie. Or we're caught there speeding. We all do that. So, what do we do when our man made ways of dealing with guilt don't work? When all the shame and all the blame, all the ways that we deal with guilt don't work? What do you do? Well, God has a way of dealing with guilt. And it's very different from our way. One of the most helpful verses for Christians who have guilt is First John 1, 8 to 10. We often use it in our liturgy. This is how God deals with guilt. If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all wickedness. So if we claim that we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So we're going to quickly look at three ways that God wants us to deal with our guilt. Guilt that makes us sick and tears us apart. First of all, number one, in your notes, he says, confess your sins. You simply confess your sin. You say to God, God, I did it. You raise your hand. You confess your sin to God. Not just your need or your frustrations. Not just giving God your excuses. Look at Psalm 69 verse 5. The psalmist says, God, you know I have done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. So you confess your sin. In your notes, you simply tell God. You tell God your sin. But what is sin? One of the easiest ways to look at sin is to look at the middle letter of the word sin. The center of sin is all about what? I. It's about my way. It's me first. God, I want to do it my way, not yours. It's selfishness. Sin is putting the I right in the middle of your life. And it's leaving God out. So you must confess, God, I have left you out of my life. And my life is a mess because of that. So you confess your sin by telling God. And why not? God already knows. There's nothing more difficult than trying to hide something that cannot be hidden. It's so wearisome. So why try hiding it from God? You tell God. And you can experience then God's healing touch. His touch of forgiveness. Now, many of you have confessed your sin, but you don't still feel forgiven. Well, there are two more important steps. In your notes, number two, to handle our guilt, you must trust God. You must trust God's character. Many people confess their sins sins, and really they don't get to know God. That God is a God who forgives. Therefore, they don't feel forgiven. So look at the invitation in Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith because we have what? Have been made free from a guilty conscience. See, people will often not want to get close to God because of their guilt, but that's a trap. It's a devil's trap because you see the closer you get to God, the more you feel forgiven. When we come close to God who loves us, the God who gave his son to suffer and die for us, when we come close to God, we sense his forgiveness. See, Jesus made us free from a guilty conscience. The message of the cross tells us, God loves us, God forgives us, and he frees us from a guilty conscience. So you must understand that the grace of God Because it's all about his riches and his blessings. G-R-A-C-E, grace. Stands for God's riches all at Christ's expense. Given because Jesus died on the cross for you. So in God's love you are free to become the person that he wants you to be. But that never happens through guilt. And God doesn't mold you or shape you through guilt. The devil uses guilt in your life. You become the person that God wants you to be through his love. Number one, by confessing your sin. Number two, you trust God's character. But number three, a third way, a third way that God wants us to handle our guilt, you must accept God's forgiveness. Accepting God's forgiveness. Look at John 3, verse 18. People who believe in God's Son are not judged guilty. See when you believe in Jesus and what Jesus did for you on the cross you are not judged guilty because Jesus says in your notes your debt is paid in full your sin is paid in full there's no reason to feel guilty when you believe in Jesus so the next time Satan from the accounting department calls tell him your debt is paid in full and not only does God forgive you But in your notes, note, God uses me. God uses us in new ways. You hear story after story in the Bible that says not only did God forgive, but also God uses people. You read the story of a guy named Abraham in the Old Testament. He started out as a guy worshiping idols. He had trouble with lying. Yet God uses him. You read the story of a guy named Moses who at the start of his life was a murderer. Today we call him the one who set the children of Israel free to go to the promised land. You read the story of a guy named John Mark, who was a coward. He left the missionary trip because he was afraid. Yet God uses him to write one of the gospels named Mark. You read the story of a guy named Paul, who was named Saul at the start. And he went into churches and persecuted Christians, stood by while Christians were being murdered. You and I call him, however, apostle and a writer of much of the New Testament. So God wants to free you and me of our guilt. But God also wants to use you and me in new ways. That's the good news of God's love dealing with our guilt. Get it? Say, got it. Let's read together then. Psalm 32, verse 5. I finally admitted all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Now some of you need to hear that first part. I finally admitted my sin. You need to face up to your sin and stop hiding and blaming and feeling shame. Others of you need to hear the last part. God forgave me. All my guilt is gone. God in his love wants to forgive you and me. Amen.